0: Hello and welcome to Complex Philosophy with Rye Seekins, and today our guest, Uma Riddle.
1: Hello, (laughs) welcome. (laughs) I'm excited to be here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Um, we're going to be reading three sections from the Prophet and discussing them. Uma and I will have some cool, differing, and also agreeing opinions. We're going to start off with eating and drinking. You ready?
1: Sweet, I'm ready.
0: Then an old man, a keeper of an inn, said, Speak to us of eating and drinking. And he said, Would that you could live on the fragrance of the earth, and like an air plant be sustained by the light. But since you must kill to eat, and rob the newly born of its mother's milk to quench your thirst, let it it then be an act of worship, and let your board stand an altar on which the pure and the innocent of the forest and the plain are sacrificed. For that which is pure and still more innocent in man. Um, Uma, what do you think of that third line there? Would that you could live on the fragrance of the earth and, the, and like an airplane be sustained by the light? What, is, what does he mean there? What oh,
1: think? I, I think that's so beautiful and well said. I feel like it's something that like, I carry with me a lot is the guilt of consuming... Um, like animal products and just Mm -hmm. in general consuming as a being. And Mm -hmm. I feel like your conscience would just be so much lighter if you could be sustained by the light of the sun and like plants make your own food. Like Mm. that is kind of a miracle of life that they can get by doing that. Um, But I feel like, like Like as he goes on to say,
0: they can get by without consuming anything else
1: right yeah life yeah um and uh talk about it more but i feel like his point is that well like it would be amazing if we could do this but it's impossible right like you know as a person to not like cause harm in the way that you eat because even if you're like a vegetarian or a vegan or even farther than that, um, you still have to consume life mm-hmm. in order to sustain your own life. And yeah. then that gets what, what the was
0: second line where he says, But since you must kill to eat and rob the nor- newly born of its mother's milk to quench your thirst, let it be an act of worship.
1: Yeah, I, um, I think that's really powerful and something that we don't do. I think as people and as a society, um, especially with the quantity that we consume and also like the distance between, um, and I know this is something that you are interested in, um, but like the distance between you and what you consume, like the food we eat is so produced and it goes through this process before it ever reaches us, so how can we feel like a connection to where it came right, from, right like if you go to hamburger
0: like, at p terry's and all you see is a hamburger it's really hard to think about the cow and its life and things like that or even something further removed like a meatball or something like that
1: yeah exactly or like milk that you buy at the grocery store right i like and i i kind of wanted to ask you we can wait till later if, if that's the right time but because um, i feel like it relates like what kind of inspired you to eat more plant-based or vegetarian because I know that that was kind of a transition yeah. or something that you did more consciously.
0: Totally. yeah. So getting my background, I was raged pescatarian so eating fish and vegetables for fifteen years and then um, I decided to eat meat and my family was still doing pescatarian and I've done that, I did that for about four years and then now I'm back on pescatarian, mostly. I, I eat meat that's... I eat free meat. um, Like, meat that's gonna go in the trash otherwise. Yeah. Um, And my aims on that is to... Uh, r- largely, like, reduce the impact of the meat industry. I think a lot of, like, the meat that I would be buying, not having a lot of money, would be unethical, generally. And so reducing that unethical, like lifes the unethical lives of the cows like factory farmed and things like that. And reducing a carbon footprint, as I'm aware that producing meat uses more carbon per like amount of food that I would get than using vegetables. Yeah. Um so for me it makes sense in my position to go to mostly plant based diet. And I still drink milk and cheese, and, but I have to do like free meat.
1: It's interesting that you went, like, you grew up pescatarian, and then you went to eating meat, and then you went back. Like, right. Because I feel like that involved not one, but two conscious choices on your part, like, to change. Yeah. You know, and I think that that says a lot. I guess I think that's really interesting.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And then would you give your background on your food habits?
1: Yeah. So I was raised, um, completely vegetarian, um, and on my mom's side of the family, like they're Hindu Indian. So for the most part, like a lot of Hindus don't eat meat at all. Um, but I guess it's kind of adapted. Like we do eat a lot of dairy. We do eat eggs, but, Meat was never a part of my diet, really. And I think from a very young age, I i don't think it was necessarily my parents, but maybe my older sister and, like, other people around me would always talk about how meat equals dead animals. And, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> as a little kid, you just make that association. You're like, wow, I never want to, you know, hurt an animal that I, you know, can see is like me i can suffer Right. so i think like even i tell people this now which i think people find really interesting if you didn't grow a vegetarian but like to me meat. if i wanted to eat meat like say for my diet i would have to change a lot in the way that i think about it like Mm. kind of relating to this um and also like get over that association like you have to come up
0: with a, a new moral framework to allow yourself to eat meat, because it's so ingrained.
1: I think, in a way, yeah, but I think it's also psychological. Like, I see meat, or I smell meat, like, and it repulses me, right. because of the association. I think ethically, as I'm growing older, I'm realizing that there are a lot of things that I do that are in my diet that are just as unethical, people might argue, like consuming dairy, right. uh, consuming eggs. So... I'm trying to challenge myself, um, in that way. And I honestly trying to challenge myself to think about it more like this chapter of the prophet.
0: Yeah. All right. You want to refocus and go for that second paragraph?
1: Yeah. 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 Um, which one?
0: When you kill a beast.
1: Mm. Would you like me to read it? Yeah. Okay, cool when you kill a beast say to him in your heart by the same power that slays you i too am slain and i too shall be consumed for the law that delivered you into my hand shall deliver me into a mightier hand your blood and my blood is not but the sap that feeds the tree of heaven
0: so this one he's continuing in my perspective he's continuing explaining what it means to um to have eating be an act of worship and. I imagine somebody out in the forest, like, killing a deer, like, slit in the throat with a knife, and then, like, when, he's, when they're doing that, they're saying, by the same power that slays you, I too am slain. This is kind of realizing that we're all one, like, being, um, and I too shall be consumed, and he's saying that it's like, the, when he says, for the law that delivered you into my hand shall deliver me into a mightier hand, um, it's like, it's just a part of life that things need to consume other things to keep living on and that's alright, but I'm gonna be really aware of that and really conscious of that, and I'm gonna understand that this slays you, and that hurts me too, in a, in a way that like we're all the same, and also that I understand that I'm like you and I can be killed just like this.
1: Yeah, I think you said that really well. And your blood and my blood is not but the sap that feeds the tree of heaven. What do you think about that line?
0: To me, that flows the. more into, like, how we are, um... It reinforces how we are the same being. And it goes with the, like, by the power that slays you, I too am slain. Um, that your blood and my blood are, like, the same things. Oh, also that life is, like, this great thing. Um, and that, say, when life ends, it might go to this heaven. So, blood that... Blood... Blood can signify, like, life's end. You know, like, people getting hurt or killed or cut. And that goes, um... People and animals. And that blood flows and feeds the tree of heaven. Like, every life that is killed isn't totally destroyed, but goes and feeds the tree of heaven.
1: Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Um... I think... For this part, I, like... I I think of two things, um, one that like there's kind of an imbalance in the modern world in the sense that we don't, we are not, humans are not really slain for like a, like another predator that's larger than us. Yes, absolutely. And we often kill each other or just die of old age you know somehow
0: right and And,
1: um and that's like a big like break in it would have to take a lot of conscious like maybe reshifting if we were to think about it this way um even though i think it could be
0: really important and maybe by your point him saying the for the law that delivered you into my hand shall deliver me into my dear hand maybe it's kind of like we're not governed under the same law because we're making all the decisions and we're not preyed upon in the same way they are. So we've like removed ourselves from this cycle. Yeah. So maybe that law doesn't apply in the same way.
1: Do you think that that's right or do you think that that's like necessarily
0: true? Um what I just said or the writing?
1: Yeah, what you just said cuz I also had some thoughts
0: Yeah, when I was, um, when I was eating meat, um, when it was a full part of my diet, I really liked this line and I thought that it's like, it's a cost that life has to consume to exist, but it's one that's been happening forever and it's all right. And I think that's like the way that I can square away killing something for me. And just like in the last paragraph, he says, um... Let your board stand an altar, so the place where you eat be like a place of worship where the pure and the innocent of the forest and the plain you can imagine deers and cows and stuff are sacrificed for that which is still more pure and more innocent in man, so I'm saying, wow, like the great thing in you, cow that I'm about to eat is about to um is sacrificed for even the more awesome things in me,
1: yeah. I could, see, I could see the logic there. I feel like when I read that, I interpreted it more as like a meat eater is then obliged to, because you're not only consuming the body, but like in a way they had to sacrifice their spirit.
0: Mm. And
1: I sort of interpreted it as like, if you eat something that had a spirit, you should acknowledge that they had that spirit. And that maybe like, like you said, like incorporate the, like like acknowledge the sacrifice of that cow to you but also maybe like this is my thought and i don't know if it's correct but i was like incorporate their gentleness and like their maybe spiritual being because in eating their flesh like you could say that you're also consuming a part of their spirit i don't know if you would believe that but maybe honoring that and i thought that was interesting because it's a way it kind of challenges my inherent beliefs like by consuming something that is at a different level of consciousness as you you have a chance to empathize with them more and appreciate them more and like even incorporate their being into yours as a part of this larger you know cycle like Um, an
0: act like um eating it could be an act of worship kind of thing like you're like giving a lot of attention and understanding it and appreciating it and it's not just destruction i love that
1: yeah And, like, I think also, like, for the second part, what I thought of is this kind of, like, in a way, from an evolutionary perspective, at one time, we were just another, like, step in the food chain, right? Like, Mm -hmm. there were larger predators Mm -hmm. that ate us, but then, you know, there were extinctions and technological advancements, and so now we don't really have those large predators, and I think, like if we go back to that beautiful line as the blood flows to the tree of heaven if you think about it cyclically it's like today whether you know it's good or bad our world is structured where like humankind is at the top right we don't have anything bigger than us other than i would argue the machines that we've created <laughs> and yeah yeah. (laughs) and i mean maybe that's gonna change like in a century or so but um yeah i'm with you but um like we try i think like especially western society but i think the whole world too we try to distance ourselves from the cycle of life and from nature because we do want to think that we're above and separate and like this might be kind of a jump or a leap but i was thinking about how you know even in death like it's part of our customs to instead of like return to the earth we like oftentimes put ourselves in coffins Mm -hmm. that like like our body like even our physical body can't like we want it to be separate
0: Right and right. preserved, and I feel like there's you know? a lot that comes from Christianity creation myth, like God created the earth and the animals and then man, like we're separate mm-hmm. from them, and that's totally, totally continued on in those death ceremonies too.
1: Totally, yeah, and and so I I feel like there's a connection between like between that and maybe also like. If I were to follow this passage truthfully, I would think that we need to kind of get back to thinking about life as more cyclical and find ways to put ourselves back into the cycle and just see ourselves as like another part of it. I right. think that also contributes to like human's huge fear of death yeah. like because it's like we're separate from everything else so our death is like more important and meaningful than the death of others but like the prophet is saying no it's all going to the same thing and it's just a natural part of life and there's like this undercurrent of like we if we are fulfilling our part we have to like give into it just like The animals that
0: are smaller than us given to us totally totally so we can learn that like I feel like that's a theme throughout the Prophet that he looks to nature and the world around us to understand ourselves and how we better fit into it and I think there's like for us it might manifest as guilt um, and for like other people or society at large maybe just like an unalignment but like guilt about eating animals but if we realize it's part of the cycle, then we might not feel that guilt or. And then if we realize it are too far away from the cycle by like factory farming them or things like that um, would also create a lot of pain. So by like looking at how the earth do- does it and how that the cycles are all right, um, that can integrate everything.
1: Yeah. And return us to where like we should be. I feel like Bri, you and I are kind of similar in the sense that we both think that we. There are, like, really direct societal changes that we should make and we can make that will bring us back to a more respectful place that's more in harmony with nature. Mm. Uh,
0: Yeah. True. Something that occurs to me is that um, I believe in the societal change, but the first step for me is, like, restructuring my mind and stuff that, like, the, the culture might have put in me that I can, like, consciously decide that I'd rather think this way which is something that the prophet's done for me. And in my reading of it, I've been able to restructure some of my beliefs in a way that's more in harmony.
1: Yeah. I would agree with that.
0: You ready for another paragraph? I am. All right. Okay. So we talked about the beast, and now we're towards plants. And when you crush an apple with your teeth, say to it in your heart, your seed shall live in my body, and the buds of your tomorrow shall blossom in my heart. And your fragrance shall be my breath, and together we will rejoice through all the seasons. I feel like this continues your point of um, of like when we eat something, have it be an act of worship, and something where, like you can really pay attention to this thing. I'm curious how how it changes for you when we're talking about a plant versus an animal and like integrating it into you.
1: Yeah, um, I think I think this is like another point that. I don't want to keep, like, coming back to, but I feel like, well, my reference I don't necessarily want to keep coming back to, but it's still relevant, like...
0: Yeah, yeah, go ahead.
1: I think the idea of, like, rejecting meat because this animal was a conscious being and I can acknowledge it's... You know, I think, like, what I uh, can understand from um, Hinduism is, like there's this idea that human beings we are this high consciousness species we have that we are like on earth the highest consciousness or highest form of consciousness Mm -hmm. and with that comes like a certain set of duties and obligations um to acknowledge other consciousnesses and levels of consciousness And, like, I don't know if you know, but, like, the cycle of, um, rebirth, like, you can be born into a high form of consciousness or a low form of consciousness.
0: Are the castes Um, involved in that? Or is that separate ideas?
1: Um, I think it's, like, it's a little separate from, like, what I'm talking about. But, yeah, it's it's involved. Not to say that, like, being born into a human life is, like, the highest, right? And then, from there, you kind of go down. So, Animals would, I guess, have a higher level of consciousness that you can acknowledge and empathize with. And so we have a duty to kind of respect them. Mm -hmm. And plants, you know, I I don't know specifically, I haven't into it, whether they're considered conscious beings um, in Hinduism. But I think, like, if you look at it from today's standpoint, like, we understand now that there is such a thing as plant consciousness, or the research is going in that direction. So my point i guess is just again like being more mindful that what you're consuming had a life
0: Mm -hmm.
1: before you ate it and like how that could affect you Mm -hmm. your body spiritually i don't know being more mindful with the way you eat that's not to say that i necessarily do this all the time um i think modern life just moves so quickly we don't have a chance to really stop but if you stop like and just think
0: And to me, that's why it's it's an
1: interesting part.
0: Yeah, totally. It's important to like to read this and reflect on how you're living, and even not bring all of it, but bring little parts that you did that you like.
1: Yeah. Would you go for the next
0: paragraph? Yeah. And in the autumn.
1: And in the autumn, when you gather the grapes of your vineyards for the wine press, say in your heart, "I too am a vineyard, and my fruit shall be gathered for the wine." And like new wine, I shall be kept in eternal. And in winter when you draw the wine let there be in your heart a song for each cup and let there be in the song a remembrance for the autumn day and for the vineyard and for the nice yeah what's your like reaction
0: what jumps out at me is like more mindfulness um in your in your consumption and let there be a song for each cup like pay attention to each cup and remember that these came from a vineyard and it was in autumn and you like you knew how it grew um what do you think about his use of i like the first person like i am this too what is he trying to say by using the first person like i too in the vineyard
1: um i guess i guess it's just furthering like the emphasis on maybe it's like a stance that you can take or like Mm. almost like a mantra like something that use to remind yourself, but it's it's interesting that it's different from the other language that he uses um,
0: right like it in, says, I, in the last paragraph it says like your seed shall live in my body and say something like instead of using something like I
1: it's kind of personalizing the per, sorry personifying the the, the plant. And the fruit and the process like al- almost acknowledging its being or its existence Totally. I, I like what you said a lot about the process like mm. um of harvesting and the idea of like and in the winter when you draw the wine let there be in your heart a- for each cup um What do you think about the significance of, like, the process of making the wine in the greater analogy?
0: Hmm. 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 So, gathered and kept and drawn. So we get, like, fruit gathered and then it's kept in eternal vessels and drawn. Um maybe discuss in the process about, like, how you you slowly get a bunch of things that, um... To me, this connects, like, when you're living your life and a lot of things happen in your life, you don't really know what they are, but we're, or, like... You don't know how it'll all come together, but you might learn a little thing, consider that a fruit that you gather, and then all these things that you gather are gathered into your mind. We'll call that an eternal vessel. And in the winter, maybe in a time of darkness, when you're feeling bad, you can draw on the wine, the the, like, how all your all your experiences and stuff coalesce into something that you can learn from and make you feel better in that winter
1: oh wow, I love that i I hadn't thought about it that way at all. I think that's really beautiful yeah, like is the winter in that scenario like dark times or like 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 um like the like the end of life in a way like some- like spring, summer fall winter as phases of life? what do you think?
0: Interesting, interesting. I didn't really go to the end of life but more just like a, a routine darkness. And <laughs> I, I really like using seasonal metaphors for like routine or for darknesses like this one. Because if you say that winter happens every year, you understand that dark times are are um, perhaps both inevitable and like inevitable in their coming and also in their departure. You know, that they'll like always go away and they will always come. Yeah. And that's alright and it's all a part of it, you know? Yeah. And again going back to that, that motif of this whole book that it's all a part of it and it's okay and like pay attention and to acknowledge to that. Acknowledge that.
1: Yeah, back to the cycle. I like that a lot.
0: Do you have closing thoughts on eating and drinking? Any closing thoughts?
1: Um maybe just how would this change like the way that you consume or like how would thinking about this like I, or or would it totally make you totally. change yeah. um
0: well i feel like i got some of this already integrated <sighs> in it in me but what i really want to take from it again is that um there's a whole lot of value of like paying attention where your food or um, from where your food comes from and something i really like thinking about like the, the systems that brought all the food to me. Like, going through the grocery store and be like, wow, all these so many good apples. So many bananas. You know, where did they come from? Who are the stories behind them? You know, who who loved bananas so much they set up a thing? And who got hurt in the creation of those bananas? Um, but just, like, really appreciating where it come from and being mindful for that. And you, then there's... You notice how the world's so full when you, like, really <laughs> look at it mindfully. And these ideas continue to percolate um and help me understand oh i guess kind of separate but it helps me understand my role in the cycle of eating and drinking and help me feel full and complete when i'm consuming plants or when i'm when i'm consuming um and notice that that's that's all right and a part of it not an evil that not like a necessary evil but like a cyclic good you know like it's all a part of it and it's good
1: yeah so it's kind of affirming like in what you are practicing um as long as you're doing it consciously i guess like as long as you're thinking about it that way
0: yes yes to me that's what i get how about you
1: i really like that idea of like (laughs) like the image of walking through a store and just being like oh like i don't know maybe that means educating yourself on like where your food is sourced from yeah and like trying to just like as a way of respect um yeah because i guess like in he's talking about more specifically like almost if you go out and gather that food yourself but in the modern age that's not the way we eat so right like but but you can still apply it i like that idea yeah
0: yeah and um yeah i know this is something that we might have well we might have different agrees on ideas on this but to me the the modern age of how we can get so much food even though it's really far away is really wonderful and that there's like so much variety of food um it just takes like a little bit of extra an extra consciousness to like really appreciate it as opposed to if you were doing it yourself i feel like by reading this for me it can remind me to give that extra bit of consciousness
1: yeah i um I think that's interesting. I feel like maybe we can that kind of ties us into buying and selling a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like food as a commodity. That sounds
0: good. We'll go there. Cool. Do you feel like we need to go back to the land to be the closer to where our food comes from?
1: I do. I think I do. And I think that's something that I couldn't stop thinking about while reading this. Right. But at the same time, his language, of course,
0: is like being right there.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So I guess if you follow it more literally, but again, it's important to acknowledge like, you can't really do that. Uh, uh, not even 100% of the time, most of the time, like right. most people in the modern world. Right. Um. But hopefully, <laughs> I like I do think that we should work towards that, like more local food models instead of because if, you know, it, it seems kind of impossible to me for almost everybody in the world to be able to buy food from almost anywhere in the world mm. just because of the way wealth is structured. Like What we have is certain countries and certain people get to kind of gather food from wherever they can in the world and then on the other end, other people, it even affects the way that they farm for themselves because they right. have to sell it.
0: Right. So
1: that imbalance, I feel like should push us to more local agriculture eventually i don't know how we're gonna get there (laughs) but i think it's also a good idea for us to be closer to the food source like going to farmers markets is really nice because you can like meet people that grow the food and i don't but again unrealistic for everyone
0: Um, Mm -hmm. thank you i hope you enjoyed this first of three with Uma riddle look for the next episode on buying and selling. Thanks.